Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. Well, once again, I appreciate those who are here this morning, and I hope it's an encouragement to you. Both uh, before, I noticed that people were enjoying the time together, and uh, after, it'd be great. I'd like to uh, uh, say thanks to those who are visiting. We have several visitors this morning. Young man by the name of Jacob is here from uh, Crescent, uh, Oregon. It's great to have him. Uh, I invited him to sit with us. It's great. And uh, also, uh, Charles and Phyllis Drillinger, it's great to see you this morning. So thankful you're here. And uh, Charles, we've been praying for you consistently. I'm hoping you're feeling a little bit better, hopefully. So that's great. And so, uh, so excited to see everybody here. And we got a couple notes of encouragement. Uh, uh, Miss Justine, you are so sweet. You give, you give, you give. You give good hugs. You have a kind heart. There you go. Uh, Mr. Wyvert, you make me laugh. You make a lot of people laugh. And groan sometimes, too. Uh, you are so nice to be around. That's true. Amen. That's great. Halstead family for the much work at the Wybert homestead working on the fences. Great to see you this morning. That's great. There you go. Okay. Uh, Mrs. McKinney, you make me smile. Your presence makes the room light up. That's a good one, isn't it? It's true. How many agree with that statement? Woohoo! Yeah, it's, it's the truth. All right. Okay. Jacob Compton, it is great to see you in person. Thanks for being faithful and shining brightly where you are. Amen. That's a great one. Thank you. Uh, Jamie B., it is so good to see you. I have missed you. I want a hug. <laughs> I know the person that wrote this one, so it's safe. There you go. Good. Okay. So this morning we are gonna we're gonna be working on a paradox. Do you know what a paradox is? <laughs> a couple doctors. Wow. Okay. Ken is in the house. <laughs> wow. Man. Oh, man. Okay. Come on out to the Pleasant Hill for those of you who are in virtual reality. And, and you need to experience Ken Weiber in person. He is great. And many of you have probably seen him on Facebook with his uh, really punny kind of jokes. And so... Uh, no, Ken, we love you. We think it's cool. Thank you for that uh, <clears throat> paradox. There you go. It's more than a paradoxers. So, what's a paradox? Do you know? As we begin this morning, I want you to consider that there is a paradox uh, in relationship to joy. You know, people go, where, where does joy come from? Well, joy comes from the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. I would say a big amen to that one. But it's important for us to recognize that we must have the mind of Christ in order to have real joy. And there is a paradox in joy. 
And so this morning we're going to read a couple of scriptures just to get our mindset on things above. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the paradox. And then we're going to go right into the lesson this morning. And so turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalms in chapter 16. This is a statement of uh, Jesus's understanding that he was going to be going back to the Father. And he was very excited about that. He was excited because he knew that, that he was going to be in his presence forever. And he says here in verse uh, uh, 11 of Psalm 16, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. You know, as Christians, we're called to have fullness of joy in this life. But it's a paradox on how you're going to experience that fullness of joy. I want you to turn with me now to the book of Matthew in chapter 16. Again, if you're joining us a little bit later than uh, the very beginning, uh, your lesson plan says Matthew uh, 14. Actually, it's Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to begin there in verse 24. A familiar passage, I'm sure, for many. When Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man ex give in exchange for his soul? Well, let's pray and then talk a little bit about the paradox of joy. Father, thank you so much for the blessing of your word. Thank you, Father, that your word communicates clearly how we can experience joy. But we must recognize, Father, that joy does not come instantaneously. Now, happiness might, and the giggles might, and the laughter might, but, but true biblical joy takes time. And it takes the right mindset. It really takes the right faith, the right hope really the right love, as we've talked about before. But this morning, I want to talk about that paradox and then invite uh, each individual among us to embrace that paradox so that they might experience the fullness of joy that only we can have as we walk just like your son Jesus Christ walked. I pray this in his name. Amen. So I start off with a question. And here's the question. Do you really desire genuine scriptural joy. Now, you may not know what scriptural joy is, and so I invite you to go back and really do a deep study on both the Hebrew and the Greek words for joy and see what that's actually talking about. The world cannot experience joy. They can't. And I think by looking at the paradox, you'll see why they can't. And so it's important for us to recognize that, yes, you must be filled with the Spirit, but you also must be walking by faith, as Jesus Christ walked by faith. How was it that Jesus and the Apostle Paul, like was shared this morning so well by Kirk, how he could embrace this mob and hatred and vile and vitriol against himself, and yet, when he comes out, he is deeply concerned about the souls of the lost. And he continues to preach and teach, not holding 
a, a, a vendetta or a heart of vengeance, but rather a heart of desire that people would become Christians. See, that's, that's paradoxical when it comes to the human experience. So the human experience will say joy comes from good times. Joy comes from fun and giggles. Joy comes from having it your way. That's the, the human side of joy, which isn't joy really at all. If we're talking about scriptural joy, and we've already defined it. So you, you go back in the notes, if you don't remember, and find what the definition for scriptural joy is. So the question remains, do you really want to experience the genuine joy that comes by being in Christ, regardless of what is going on in the world or in your world specifically. Now with that, I want you to turn with me to the book of, of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 11. Notice what the statement there is, and it will help you maybe understand a little bit about what the paradox I'm going to be talking about is. In the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 11, in the context of, of the writer talking about God's discipline of his children, he makes this statement. He says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet, to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. In other words, if you go back and look at the definition of joy, it has that contentment. It has that tranquility. It has that delight in knowing that you are in a right relationship with God and you are doing the right things. You know, what was shared this morning by Kirk, I can relate to every single one of those because when I've looked at some of those videos, I'm telling you what, just drives me crazy angry. I got one of those justice things going on inside of me too, but I'm so glad that you brought Paul in and you talked about all the mobs and it's like, you know, that big righteous indignation bubble brewing in my head. He went, pss, pss. that's good. <laughs> Bring me down to what does the scriptures teach? Wow. Now there are those among us who are uh, civil uh, servants who carry the sword for the express purpose of administering the wrath of God. We know that's true. And I'm so thankful for those men and women. But the reality is, is that as Christians, you know, we have to have the right mindset. So there's a paradox in joy. What's the paradox of joy? How willing are you to put the needs of others before yourself? question mark to the degree that you are willing to put the needs of others before yourself is to the degree that you can experience real joy because Jesus experienced fullness of joy because he did just that amen he did just that there's another question how willing are you to discipline yourself And grow in self-control in all areas of your life. And if you think about that, whenever the word discipline comes up, you, you could go right back to the book of Hebrews and notice 
you know, at the time of discipline, it does not seem very joyful. But if we're trained by it, then we can have the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And one of those fruits is joy, inexpressible. So notice the paradox is this. If you really want real joy, then you need to be willing to deny yourself, as Jesus says. The big word D, deny who? Deny self. If you want to have real joy. The second one is you need to be willing to grow in discipline, self-discipline. Joy really comes from self-discipline. You know, let's just use an example of discipline in your physical self. I don't know about you, but when I jump on the scale, and the scale is a lot you know, nicer to me when I jump on the scale, the discipline of the weeks before makes me joyful. Notice, the weeks before were not joyful. But the reading of the scale makes me very joyful. Notice, there had to be a paradox of pain, discipline up front to bring about the fruit of joy. I must say, in the last couple times I've jumped on the scale, joy was not my first reaction, all right? I'm just saying I didn't have the discipline in the weeks before. So you got an amen on that one back there. But, but there's, one, there's one more D in here. The question comes to this. How willing are you to deliberate or be deliberate in all that you say and do? In other words, before you open your mouth, you think. And you evaluate what you want to say and ask yourself the question, is this going to bring a blessing or a curse in the life of the other person and to myself. I'm rather open mouth and insert foot. That's not a blessing. See, so, so you have to ask yourself, are you willing to deliberate before you act? Scriptures are filled with passages that talk about haste makes waste. And it's usually the waste of a relationship and it's a waste of your life because it, it comes back to get you. See, so it's so important we ask the question then. You want real joy? Are you willing to deny yourself? Are you willing to undergo discipline in many facets of your life, as we'll talk about in a minute? And are you willing to be deliberate in your thoughts and in your words and in your actions? Deliberate, deliberate in being just like Jesus Christ. See, that's, that's really the, the, the standard. So let's take a look. Point number one this morning. Point number one, the denial of self, sacrificing for others. You know, joy really does come by putting other people first. You know, when John was immersed into Christ this last Monday, man, I'm telling you what, it was joyful. It was joyful. Spending time with John and Bible studying and, and uh, we have some a similar interest. And so spending some time together personally, enjoying that time together was great. And, you know, being in my prayers all the time and, and then for John to call me up. In fact, I think it was a text. He says, you know what? I've been thinking about the water a lot. Well, you guys know me when as soon as he said, I've been thinking about the water a lot, I about jumped through the phone. All right, let's get this figured out. And so that was the text I received Monday morning. 
was working my schedule to make it work, and we were able to get together in the afternoon. It was awesome. I got real choked up. You get emotional. When you invest so much heart in a really wonderful person, and then they see the light of heaven, and they reach out and they take hold of it, and they become your brother in Christ. That's awesome. That's joy. But notice all the all of the sacrifice that had to come before that. The sacrifice of Jesus, his total life. That's why John and I and the rest of us can get to heaven. It's because he totally sacrificed his life. But you know, someone's not going to become a Christian unless you and I are willing to sacrifice time, energy, thought, heart, emotion, gifts, talents, abilities, resources. People won't become Christians because there needs to be a sacrifice up front. Paul said, I rejoice in my suffering on your behalf and on, on behalf of his body, I do my share in filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. I didn't know that there was a lacking in Christ's sacrifice. There wasn't. It was perfect. But we are his body. We are the embodiment of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, so there still needs to be a sacrifice to draw people in to the relationship with God, and we're the body of Christ now. We're the ones who are gentle and thoughtful and kind. We're the ones that love unconditionally, no strings attached. We're the ones that invest ourselves and rejoice when a new brother comes online or a new sister comes online. And now we can work together to help other people and the joy that we've experienced, they will experience. It's awesome. And so we need to recognize this sacrifice. And so when we look at Matthew in chapter 16, once again, what do we see? It's plain there that if we want to follow Jesus, the very first thing that needs to happen is we need to deny, 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 not that we're Christians, but to deny self because self wants control of our lives. And I really like this passage of scripture in verse 25. You know, everybody knows verse Verse 24, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. But look at the verse 25 there. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, if you're not willing to give up all that God created you to be, to serve him, all that you get from the person that God created you to be will be empty. Did you understand what I just said? Maybe say it in a simpler term. If God created you to be a great and amazing singer and you choose to use that great and amazing gift to serve self and glorify self and glorify all the ugly human things that happen in this life like immorality and impurity and, and all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about, singers that do that? They were given a precious gift, and that gift is used for what? Self-indulgence and promoting a life of self-indulgence. And they die empty. They die hopeless. They die not ever experiencing joy. But what if they took that gift and they actually used it to speak and preach the truth? Literally sing the truth 
to draw people out of the mess that they're in, out of the ugliness of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Not only would they have joy, but they would bring joy and give joy by sacrificing that gift that they could make hordes of money with, but they've decided, I'm going to invest it in serving Christ. Now, we all have gifts, every one of us. Are we willing to lay aside self to invest and sacrifice that, bury your cross, sacrifice that in serving Christ? That is painful. It may not be physically painful, it's emotionally painful. Just all that stuff I gave up. Don't let the devil draw you back to that because he's pulling you into self-indulgence. Joy comes from realizing and then utilizing what God has given you to serve him. How critical that is. It's like basically taking a, a, a square peg and trying to pound it into a round hole. If God created you to be a certain person with certain gifts, talents, and abilities, and you say, you know what? I'm going to take those and I'm going I'm to use them this way. It's like putting a square peg in a round hole. Now, you've seen this illustration before and I've talked about it. How many of you, when you were little kids, before we had a technology, your parents gave you one of those little boards with a little, a little wooden hammer and you had little holes in a piece of wood and you had little thingies that you could hammer those little pieces of wood through and it's how you figured out your shapes. Okay? So little Billy Go gets dad's hammer, the real thing, and he makes this thing work. You know, that's how you do that, right? No, it, it makes a mess of everything. And I got hurt in the process. Okay, so the reality is, is that God has created you amazing. And when you try to do something contrary or be something contrary or use what he's given you contrary to his plan, a lot of people get hurt. And you do too. And there is absolutely no joy. Being willing to experience the paradox of suffering, of laying self aside, denying self, and bearing your cross in service to Christ Jesus. An example, husbands are called to lead sacrificially. Many husbands don't have a clue what that means. Let me encourage you to read the scriptures, to understand your relationship with your wife. And strive to see what her needs are in every aspect of her life and live your life to be a blessing to her. It says, husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way. Now, I have to share with you. I wish Sharon were here right now. She's going to say that I said that when she wasn't here. But, man, I'm telling you what, we're 30-some years into this thing, almost, <laughs> almost 40. Hi, honey. Almost 40. My wife's back there. She's watching me. Yeah, the, the, the curse of being face-to-face, -face, right? <laughs> anyway, so you know what? There are still things, honey, and, and you can agree that there's still some things I haven't got figured out about you, right? And you're going, how many times have I told you that? It's like, you know, never, none? I wouldn't say that. Okay, she wouldn't say that. I have a good wife. Wow. But my point is what? is in order for a guy to try to understand a woman, man, talk about work. 
At least, at least Brian's the only one to be brave enough to say amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Marriage counseling later, free. <laughs> the reality is what? Is if you want to have a great marriage, there's a lot of sacrifice, guys. There's a lot. And if you think you've arrived, just ask your wife. You have. Okay? That's how that is. And then for ladies, the scripture says to, to humbly serve alongside your husband, that freak, freaks you out too. I understand it. I've been under really bad leadership that didn't have a brain cell. I mean, if he had two, he could have rubbed them together and figured it out. He only had one. And it just didn't work out. I've been under that kind of leadership. It's terrifying. It is. They're selfish and self-serving and they're always right. They're never wrong and they're mean and all. That's terrible. So I don't know about that. The reality is, is that we need to recognize in every relationship, there's going to have to be a decision made. If you want real joy, are you going to sacrifice and do it God's way? The problem is, is that people try to do it God's way, but they, what they think is God's way is not God's way. And that's where you get the what? The square piece of wood being hammered into the round hole. It doesn't work. Now, my second point is rather interesting. It's one that I've struggled with all of my life, and that is discipline. Point number two, discipline of body, mind, and soul. 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. And uh, some of you know that you can grow into a place of super discipline and you only need to take a couple days of stepping away from that discipline and all of a sudden you're on the fast track going in the wrong direction. Am I the only one that's experienced that before? I mean, I take two days off from, from eating right and all of a sudden it's a month before I can get back and find myself out of the woods of eating right. It's It's horrible. It's, and I'm just using, I'm just, <laughs> I always look over there when I say that, uh, Cynthia, you're, you're my angel in that respect. So uh, the reality is, is I'm getting really hot now because I have been a bad guy about that stuff. <laughs> the reality is, is that, you know, eating right is really important because your body and your mind and your soul, it all works together, right? And so that's an important facet, but God says godliness with contentment is even more important. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. Many of you are aware of this, but there's one little verse in there that is so important. Do, not, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you will win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not uh, without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. Now, verse 27. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after uh, I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I'm going to go back to what Kirk said. It's not in my notes, so it's a dangerous thing to go away from my notes. But Kirk made an excellent point this morning. From a human response, Paul, having been mobbed and beat up and stoned and left for dead, from a human mindset, he would desire to get vengeance. From a human mindset. 
We also know that when he went into Athens, it literally says we were able to go behind Paul's ears, or his behind his eyes, between his ears, and experience the rage that was burning inside of Paul. When he walked into Athens and he saw all those gods, it says he was provoked within him. Go study that out. He was enraged at these, how the devil had victimized all these people, and he was upset. I could just see him just tearing into those, you know, false prophets and all that stuff. But that's not what he did. He was self-disciplined. What do these people need? How do they need to hear it? How can I make my words piercing the heart that they might come to a saving knowledge of Christ? He had to be super self-disciplined in that because, you know, Paul's been given the bad rap of being a hothead. Before he was a Christian, that is absolute truth. Oh my goodness. You don't want to get on the wrong side of an argument with Saul. You're going to lose your head. But on the other side of crisis, he grew an amazing man of self-discipline controlling all of his spiritual and his emotional and, and his physical appetites. And he talks about it right here for the express purpose that he might win some. A dis, a, I discipline my body and make it my slave. Joy comes from the fruit of your daily discipline of your body, mind, and soul. True joy comes from the daily discipline of your body, your mind, and your soul. You need to have those regiments. And someone says, well, I'm, not, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do, and I'm footloose and fancy free, and that's how God made me. Well, you're going to be bouncing off the walls the rest of your life and never getting your feet firmly planted. You have to develop tools for discipline. Whatever that works for you, you got to develop those tools. Joy comes from the fruit of your daily discipline of your body, mind, and soul. That's not fun, but it's, it's right how many of you know this is, to, this is a truth? This is a truth. It's an immutable truth. First you form habits and then they form you. You say, well, that's not in the Bible. You bet it is. Over and over and over again. Not in that verbiage. But first you form habits and then they form you. So whatever habits you're forming right now, you're going to experience either the joy or the great pain and suffering from your discipline right now or lack of discipline right now. So it's really important for you to recognize that the paradox of joy is that you need to be disciplined in your body, mind, and soul. Because those habits will, in fact, drive you to do and to be and to speak which will result in great joy or great suffering in your relationships and in yourself. An example for your body. Your body probably enjoys rest. My body enjoys rest. And then uh, I get drug all over the mountains on Friday and then drug all over the mountains on, on Saturday. Right, Brad? Okay. Will, I willingly did that and uh, I'll tell you what, I should have been disciplining my body before that. Because it was, it was not joyful after that. 
It wasn't joyful. Okay? So, but if I would have been disciplining myself and my body when Brad, it was great as an experience. I felt like I was in Vietnam. Okay, we were we were out in the mountains and we had ferns literally up to and over our heads. Ferns. I'm not kidding me, I'm five nine. And and it was and there were bushes and over my head, right? It was it was amazing. So I was walking through with my rifle up above my head like this. I felt like I was going through the rice paddies or whatever in Vietnam. It was crazy. All right. But the reality is, is I was not disciplined before, so I suffered and it wasn't joyful afterwards. I'm still feeling the pain. So the reality is, is that's a physical example. And you know that our physical being is connected with our cognitive and our emotional. And so I was a little bit discouraged this morning. I was thinking, what's this all about? At least I'm self-aware. Self-aware enough not to let that whole physical ugh, drag me emotionally down, although it was trying. We're, they're connected. You see, it's important for us to recognize that. Discipline your mind to focus on, on spiritual truths and applying them to your life. The mindset of the spirit. You know, when the alarm goes off in the morning, I get out of bed. My body says no, but my mind says yes. I need to be trained in godliness because godliness with contentment is of great gain. And then finally, disciplining your spirit to serve God. The only way you can do that is to align your life with God's design for your life. Now, if you, if you want to be a preacher... And you get up and you start to preach and then people are just dying. You're saying, well, that's not fair, Mr. Compton. Well, God didn't design you as a preacher then. If you do it because you, you know it needs to be done and you're willing to step in the gap, that's awesome. But if you find something else that just tickles your fancy, you love it, and it's a huge blessing to the church, you find joy in it, and the church finds joy in it. That's so critical that you are willing to discipline yourself to discover what your giftedness is and what place and what part you can work in the body. Finally, the last one is so important on the, on the back page there. Deliberate in thought, word, and deed. Take a look at the book of Colossians. And if we could memorize this and then actually embody it in our lives. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Very powerful passage of scripture that will help us to understand how critical it is for us when we respond to anybody. It has to be right. Verse 5, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. Make the most of the opportunity. Literally, redeem the time, it says there. And that's actually what it means there. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. That's a powerful statement. Conduct yourself with wisdom, it says. In other words, you've got to get your mind in the right place. The second thing it says there is redeeming the time. You need to see that every moment counts and use your time wisely instead of frivolously. 
And then finally it says to respond to each person. Know how you can respond by being a good listener, a good observer, and respond appropriately. Joy comes from impacting the lives and eternity of those you come in contact with because you are deliberate and intentional in expressing your thoughts, words, and actions. Let me say that again. Joy comes from impacting the lives and eternity of those you come in contact with because you are deliberate and intentional in your thoughts, words, and deeds. It takes a lot more time and energy for you to stop before you open your mouth and think about what's needed to be said or to stop before you react and think about what actually needs to be done. You see, it was shared this morning by Eric when he was talking about Jesus. He always seemed to have the right answer. And what did you call them, zingers? Yeah, yeah it's kind of cool. He said, man, I wish I had a pocket full of zingers like Jesus, man. But some kind of zim. And, and it's just the perfect answer. Everybody walks away happy, joyful, grown and fulfilled and enlightened. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, but I have the same uh, challenge as Eric. It's always 30 minutes later when I come up with a zinger. And it probably wouldn't have worked anyway, but I think it would work. But I don't have an opportunity to find out. And so we need to be able to stop and think, what is the best thing to say? What is the best thing to do? And sometimes, as Eric said, it's just do nothing. That could be the best thing. So it's so important for us to recognize we need to be deliberate. I love this quote from the scriptures. Like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. I love that one. In other words, a word that you speak is perfectly timed with the correct words at the correct moment in a person's life. They go, oh, I just so needed that at this moment. That just gives me all sorts of new options. You ever have somebody do that for you? I love that when that happens. It would be kind of cool for me once in a while, you know, but it's great when that happens. We need to be those kind of people for those around us. So, Here's some examples. If you, in your thought life, think about others and the challenges that their life demands at this moment. Get outside of yourself. How many of you know that we live our lives almost all about me? You know, my troubles, my car, my, my kids, my wife, my this, my that, the job. Oh my, it's all... The world doesn't revolve around you. Yes, it does. Well, your world revolves around you. But the world doesn't. And we're no longer mere human beings, are we? We're sons and daughters of God, amen? Are we sons and daughters of God? The answer is, of course, yes. And a son or a daughter of God is more concerned about others and how they're doing and what their life situation is so that you can empower them through that. They may or may not accept it, but if you're wise first, second, thoughtful, thoughtful about how best to figure out the present circumstance, be empathetic in your listening, put yourself in their, their life situation, and then respond scripturally. That's powerful. That takes a lot of time, doesn't it? 
Actually, it takes a lot of discipline because sometimes you don't have a lot of time, so you have to add the discipline to That's what you do first, right away. You go right into a mode of listening, thinking, putting yourself into their place, in their life situation. That, oh, I can only imagine what that would be like. Good, you got the right word. I can only imagine. You're imagining it. You're putting yourself in their shoes. Then you can respond appropriately with the right words at the right moment with the right actions. That's what we need to do as Christians. We're called to that. Be intentional and focused on fulfilling the needs of others by helping them. Be deliberate in the selection of your words and in the design of your conversation because it speaks about how honey draws people, the bees to itself, so our words need to be sweet like honey instead of like vinegar, apple vinegar, okay? For those of us who have drank apple vinegar before. So anyway, it's so important for us to recognize the paradox of joy. You know what the paradox of joy is? If you want to have real joy, you need to deny self. If you want to have true joy, you need to be disciplined in body, soul, and spirit. And if you want to have the joy of the Lord, then you need to be deliberate, deliberate in your thinking and in your speaking and in your responding. If you'll do that, the joy is going to come your way, but also the joy goes both ways when you do it that way. Can I get an amen on that one? Joy goes both ways. And so what a great blessing then we can be in the world and how blessed then we are. Brethren, the paradox of joy. It's a lot of work, but it's worth it. Remember, discipline at the moment does not seem joyful, but sorrowful. But those who are trained by it, the peaceful fruit of righteousness is yours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Father, for the word. We want to have fullness of joy. We want to have the fullness of joy that, that you can give us and we can experience if we will walk as your son, Jesus Christ, walked. And we can live just as your son, Jesus Christ, lives in the light eternal. Father, we ask that you would help us then to understand the paradox of joy and to embrace it even though there is pain on the front side, there's great joy and awe on the backside, Father. Thank you so much for the lesson and for your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, until we get word from folks, we're going to get all excited as we walk out of here and tell everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? All right, thank you very much. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.